I got a question for you. Why do records recorded on tape sound so goddamn good? Because the engineers relied on their ears and creative arranging skills to build great sounding recordings. On Noise Floor, we explore recording and producing music with these very same limitations. Four-track tape recorders are especially unique because they don't allow you to overproduce your songs. It's just a great way to capture unique performances that are organic and human. Tape forces you to think creatively and arrange wisely. If you're a producer and have worked in the digital format, you're well aware of how easy it is to layer sounds endlessly and end up with busy, cluttered arrangements. Armed with my dad's old four-track tape recorder and some of the best songwriters around, we'll explore creating music through these limitations. Here's how it works. Musicians record one song on tape. If in some cases we record remotely, artists have to limit their final DAW track limit to four tracks. In either situations, you're allowed two bounces, meaning once you've filled up your first three tracks, you can bounce to track four leaving you three empty tracks. So once you fill up tracks one and two, then you can bounce to track three, leaving you two more tracks to fill up. It's important that you don't keep layering and stay strict to this format. Remember, we're eventually dumping everything to four track tape to mix at the end, even if it's done digitally. So this episode features my good friend, Gray Parsons, and geez, I don't know what to say. I was a little nervous, um, a little nervous going into this one because Gray's like a brother. He's such a good friend to me, and um, I honestly, I know enough about him that it was a little difficult to uh, just to get in there and talk and interview him. I'm still pretty new at this, so I'm I'm getting better and better. But this one was funny. You you'll hear Gray's just like one of the funniest people I've ever met. Also one of the most talented people I know. He can literally play uh, everything that he needs to play to to make recordings and um he's also a seasoned vet with tape so like he was teaching me some things during this session that I didn't even know you could do with the tape machine so um he got he got a lot of um he got a lot of use out of four tracks um so yeah check out Gray Parsons um check out his music uh the higher ups uh you can find the higher ups on the interwebs and you can find his band, The Lodge on Regulus. Uh, that's his kind of funky jazz band. Uh, you can find that online too. And uh, if you enjoy the show, please support it at patreon.com slash noisefloorpodcast. Check it out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and give a good review. And uh, without any further delay, let's roll tape. doing it <laughs> i'm here with gray parsons motherfucking drummer 
songwriter, vibraphonist, mm. guitar player, mm. yeah, mm. visual artist, hmm. son of a bitch, mm-hmm. son of a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, my pappy was a pistol. <laughs> his pappy was a pistol. Um, thanks for doing this, man. Dude, my pleasure. We're Thank here you. in Gray's lovely home in his studio. Just record one of his dang old songs. Mm-hmm. It was Let Your Memory Slip? What was the title? That's right. Cool. Um, yeah, so you're number two. Second guest. Oh, well. You're, I mean, you're number one, but okay, you're yeah. number one in my book, but you're number two on the podcast. Okay. And um, I'm accustomed to number two. <laughs> so the whole point of this has been to record tunes with friends and fucking talk shit afterwards. Mm. And um, so I guess my first question is, oh, actually, let me, let me back it up. So I met Gray in 2011, I think. Late 2010. 2010. Late. 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 Uh, Gray's one of my oldest Austin buddies. Old. Old as fuck. And, um, buddy. <laughs> yeah um i met gray um through a friend and so you mother you're one of these people you're one of these guys who are i tried to think about some questions to ask you but i feel like i know you really well so it's kind of hard to it's kinda, mm-hmm. I, like there's a lot i don't like i feel like i know a lot about you so i don't know what to exactly to ask you tell me about yourself and in talking about yourself, you will learn about me. <laughs> but no, here's what I was thinking. Okay. What don't I know about you is that... No, let me back it up. We have a lot of fucking shit in common. Mm-hmm, and I feel like mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. why we've been such good friends. But some of the shit we don't have common would be... <laughs> we don't have in common is that... So we both play drums. Mm-hmm. Both write tunes. That's correct. Both really like ween. That's true. When I met you, we both really dug uh, Elliot Smith. That's also true. Um, and one of the things I was thinking that I don't have in common with Gray is that I don't know shit about um, Guided by Voices. That might be true. And I think that's a band that you really like. That is definitely true. Um, Big influence. Yeah. So like, and I, and I really literally couldn't name one tune. Oh. So I was like, why don't I ask Gray about Guided by Voices? Maybe I can get hip to it, too, listening to you talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I know they're also a band that, um, like, sort of a lo-fi band, right? Mm-hmm. Use, use four-track, I'm guessing, or eight-track or A something. lot of four-track in the early days. Yeah. But the records were still, like, mastered by Bob Clear Mountain. Bob Clear Mountain? Or Bob Ludwig. Bob Ludwig. He's a motherfucker? I don't know him. One of one of yeah yeah for sure on the mastering tip nice but it's one of those things where it still sounds like it was recorded on a cassette recorder but it's pretty good for that they mastered it really well mm-hmm. nice um, what are some earlier records of them that you dig early records of theirs or just any records of um, I mean I think I did kind of get into them um, more on their early ish side of their catalog mm-hmm. like B thousand. Um, I think was the first record of theirs that uh, that I heard all the way through and, and was really into. Propeller is another early one that I find to be really good. Nice. Um, and uh, Alien Lanes. Nice. They had a few right there in a row that are just, you know, if you're a, at least for all the fans and maybe for other people that who to become fans, 
um, they're just good from top to bottom. You know, nice. um, yeah. If you had consistent. to recommend one album to listen to, what would you do? Mm, for you, mm-hmm. I would recommend. Yeah, are you wondering which one it is? Yeah. Maybe Alien Lanes. Alien Lanes. Okay, cool. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah, because I want. <laughs> Thank you for listening all the way. To, I was like, how how long can I wait? I want to. How wanna, pregnant can this pause be? I want lots of pauses on this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking for music that was recorded on on a Tascam. It doesn't have to be a four track, but like, I want to listen to this stuff and and hear hear what what was possible with it. Mm-hmm. You know, because I grew I grew up recording on a laptop. I I learned how to record on a laptop. I'm not too hip to recording on tape, and I feel like it's just such a, it's such a different way to record music. Mm-hmm. So as we were just recording this tune, Gray, who has a eight-track Tascam, is it three eighty-eight? That's right. He's got one of these um, eight-track tape machines here. Um, so he's done he's done a little of this before, and so as we're recording, Gray's basically showing me all this cool shit you can do on a four-track. Like I didn't realize you could bounce tracks down while playing along to them in the machine. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sweet. Um, can we talk about the, the, your record that we did, that you did, that I helped with? Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, so Gray's main project with his tunes called The Higher Ups. That's right. And um, he made a record with 11 tunes on it called Eternal Return. Is that right? That's right. Um, it's a fucking awesome record. If you're listening yeah. to this, you need to go listen to it. Please. It's on Bandcamp. That's right. Um, under my name. Under Gray Parsons. That's right. But I think you can also find it under the higher ups. Too. Cool. Um, and yeah, it's awesome tunes. And it was all recorded on this guy, 388. Mm-hmm. And when Gray asked me to help with it, it was already done. So he had recorded all of his tunes basically mixed them there was like a rough mix going on there was a rough mix but i knew that it i needed better eqs and stuff like that than i was capable of in my in yeah the state of things that i had at the time but like a lot of the production was done oh like produ- feel, yeah the, all that was done yeah, yeah. i feel like as, it, it was the kind of thing that as you were recording it i could tell you were like oh you're producing this like 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 any other album you're not you're not waiting till later to to make crucial decisions <laughs> so but anyway it was super fun doing that with you and um and yeah, that record is just really fucking good. Oh, thank you. And so what was your decision going into that, like recording it on tape as opposed to just doing it like in a studio or? I liked the sound of it. Mm-hmm. And I liked the fact that um, I like the permanence, you know, um, the discipline of that. that it's yeah. like there are these limitations and, you know, yeah, I just I thought that would be cool. And, and also at the time, I just didn't have very nice digital gear. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was like, well, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to have a, a sonic kind of limitation, I would rather it be this other thing that's kind of a unique, potentially cool sound mm-hmm. than just the sound of my half-assed, you know, digital gear and like yeah. GarageBand or whatever I was recording it to, which is totally fine too. But um, but that just seemed a, a step up, and and I and I have remained happy with how it sounds actually. Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to compare like what 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 the sound of tape is like um, 
versus what the sound of like a recorded digital thing is like. Mm-hmm. And it's like you record things on in Pro Tools in in through an interface, and it sounds like being in like a really like sounds like being at like a party in like a really bright room mm-hmm. where like you could like just see everything. Like you could see that like oh that girl's like wearing makeup and like. Mm-hmm. Oh, that like you could just like see too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like somebody just I've fucking, seen too much. Somebody turned the dimmer down on this party. That's how I feel about digital audio. But the tape thing is like even recording onto tape and then going into a computer, there's like this nice blanket on it or something where it's like it's just a little bit blurred in a good mm-hmm. way. It's a little distortion. Yeah. Um, you can you can push the the mic pre's maybe a little harder. Yeah. Because like on digital, there's just there's nothing to be gained by like getting way up into the yellow or into the red. No. And a lot of that stuff that I recorded on tape, which some of it certainly could have been done better up front, could have been engineered better up front, but um, but nevertheless, it's pretty forgiving. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's pretty yeah. Forgiving. Anyway, so the album is. Eternal, eternal return. Eternal return. Eternal return. Eternal return. And it's a good one, man. Oh, dude, you done Thank good. Thank you. You you played a huge part in it. Um, is there more tunes coming? Is there another record brewing? I feel like I smell it brewing. Never again. <laughs> Never again. I really thought when I made that one, I was like, you know, I've all my life, my mom told me I was special. <laughs> So I know it's, you know it's true. So my mom's a very honest person. It's true. She's a very honest person. So, so I, I, I did achieve a great deal of success. There were a, a good six people who fucking got their socks knocked off. <laughs> and, you know, that's going to grow exponentially. I mean, don't underestimate it. Um, it's what matters is change over time and it's important to be patient about the time scale. Mm -hmm. Um, If I get six fans in four (laughs) years, um, but then say if I get 20 new fans in the next year, and then if that curve continues, it starts to be a lot. Something tells me, something tells me there's gonna be very good exposure for you. Thank you. Um, Expect your, um, your, your Insta likes to skyrocket after this. Thank you. Um, just expect more people on the street to be stopping to like... I want them to notice me. <laughs> Isn't that all anyone wants? I just just sort of look at me just, with their head just slightly... Just cocked. T- yeah, just a little you, tilt to you, the head. You can't see it. Greg is cocking left. Greg? <laughs> <laughs> Gray. <laughs> oh. Anyway, um, G- let's talk. Uh, Greg, let's talk about <laughs> this is going. So, this was going so well. It still is. It's we, great. What's next? We, <laughs> um, first memory recorded was it voice? Was it drums? Was it guitar? Do you have a first memory of recorded music? Recording you? Of recording me? Yes, mm-hmm. I do. Um, what this is what I remember. Um, it was very dark, <laughs> very dark. There was no light. No, um, no. But I, I think what it, the first thing maybe that I might have recorded would have been this, where when I was like 11, 10, 11 years old, I got really into setting up like coffee cans, like metal coffee cans with little plastic lids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would put different amounts of water in them mm-hmm. 
to make this like little pitched tom set. Nice. And I had like doom, 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 doom. And then I had like another little row. And then I had maybe um, a plastic colander. Yeah. With a frisbee on top. <laughs> and then I would put a microphone inside of that. <laughs> and that microphone inside there, um, you would hit the frisbee and it was like boom, boom. Boom. And I'm pretty sure I recorded that because you would run that microphone through the like stereo. Yeah. And you could run that through your cassette deck. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure if I ever managed to record the whole performance with all the toms and everything, but I'm pretty sure I at least recorded that doom, doom, that bass drum sound. And this was a frisbee on a colander? A <laughs> frisbee on a colander. Like a metal colander? Plastic. Plastic. Yeah. And it and it would fit right on it. You could like kind of clamp it down yeah. with the microphone with a little skinny wire. It was just this little like Radio Shack microphone yeah, yeah. with a little super skinny wire so you could lock that thing in place. And then you could kind of get some tone out of it. Yeah. And you could record it onto a cassette. That was your first recording I think so. I think it was something like that. Yeah. No shit. That's cool. Yeah. And then later it was having more like a Porta Studio um, 404 or whatever it was called. Did you have this thing? Or Porta 4. No, it was black. It was a little more streamlined, like not quite as as thick Mm -hmm. on this axis. Um, I can't think of what it was. Porta Studio 4, I think was its name. And, uh, but it was, you know, just probably pretty much like that four tracks in. Have I think you it might have only had two. Yeah, yours has two XLRs. Yeah, two XLR ins, and then. Yeah, I think this was like that. Have you have you gone back to listen to any of that stuff? Do no. You still have them or no? You know, um, I do still have a cassette, but you know, because it's like because two of the tracks are on what would be the other side, you can't hear it all at once. Oh. Yeah, like I don't necessarily have them. I, I didn't master them at that time. Yeah. Some of them I used to master to VHS. What? Yeah. Can you do that? Yeah. Yeah, you just, there would, what, what would you do? Would you have a visual aspect to it? or No, but supposedly, like, in the, at least that was the word, you know, in like 1994 or whatever. Yeah. It was like um, VHS was the most hi fi, like the highest speed, most high resolution audio. That we had available to us, no shit. because you couldn't record onto a CD yet, yeah, or anything like that. And so, um, and and DAT was around, but hard to get to. And DAT was still kind of weird sounding, anyway. But yeah, so that's what people would do. They would like huh. record under their four track cassette, and then master onto their VHS recorder. What? I've never even heard of it. And this. use that VHS tape to make your like cassette duplicates off of. No shit. Yeah, that was that's the thing. kind of awesome. If you think about it, a VHS cool. is like a thick-ass piece of Exactly. Yeah. But like... I don't know how much of that is audio, but a good enough amount. Yeah. And it's a like good quality tape. Eight, is this eighth inch? Is that what a cassette is? I don't even know. Mm, I think it's a little over an eighth, gotcha. but not much. Same as, as your eight track? Is this basically cassette in that's here? A, that's a quarter inch. Okay. So this is a better... <clears throat> this is like a better hi-fi mm-hmm. system. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, like that size, because what, or no, yeah, that's a quarter inch, and so it would be half inch, 16 track, or um, one inch, 32. So, yeah. you know, so it's it's a pretty low resolution, Yeah, but still a cool sound. Very cool. Yeah. I want to get one of these really bad, I'm jealous. And it's lower ips, too. I, I can't remember how many inches per second it is, but it's lower than, like, you know, a nice two inch or even a one inch machine would be running. Yeah. I think they run at 15 or something and this runs at maybe half that. Now I want to go get a fucking tape player, VHS tape player. 
Try you that need out. one. Yeah. You need two. <laughs> you need so you two. can duplicate stuff. <laughs> okay, ask me some more questions. Okay. Um the other band. Oh, I love those guys. <laughs> the Lodge on Regulus. The Lodge. Yeah. That's um that's Gray's jazz. I want to I'll call it a jazz quartet. Mm-hmm. Um, all tunes written by Gray. Gray's playing vibes primarily. Um it's sort of a revolving um, band personnel to a um, certain extent. Yeah. yeah. And you, so you've been pl- uh, doing more of that recently, right? You've had some live gigs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me about them. You know, we, um, we, we played all through December mm-hmm. and so hopefully we'll get back out there sooner than later. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that was cool. Every Thursday in December we played. Dude, yeah, and so the practice and and really fun to. It was a different drummer. It was the same bass player and sax player that we've had before, Mm -hmm. Um, although the bass player had done more like synth bass Mm -hmm. before. I remember this this. was upright, yeah. So which was which was nice for the room we were in, yeah. Uh, And then a new drummer, and so um, anyway, it was cool to get to do week after week, yeah. Um, And so those tunes. You guys recorded uh, the first record that you did. You recorded here, right? We recorded the first record. Actually, we did a little EP over mm. at Thomas's house. Okay, and um, and recorded that. Um, it's like four, five tunes. Yeah, and made you know made this EP, and then a few years later, we recorded over here, actually onto the three eighty eight again. Yeah, uh, yeah, and we and we did that just live in the moment um, with I don't know maybe two or three drum mics and you know. A couple of mics on the on the vibes. Nice. You just filled up the filled up the machine and just. Mm-hmm. We awesome. did seven and then saved the eighth for the effects. Mm. And then we did the effects, kind of live as we mixed it, where um, I used pedals like mm-hmm. a like a a tape like a yeah whatever an emulator of a of a tape delay or tape reverb. What am I trying to say? Tape yeah. echo, um, and a couple of others, and just like strung those together. And and then you just had like a global that machine has two different global effects, you know, uh, loops in it basically. Mm-hmm. One of them I think is called effects, and the other ones would be called auxiliary. Yeah. And they each have um, sins and returns mm-hmm. for each channel, so we were able to kind of have two different effects loops. That's cool. And just like and then we mixed down to a digital thing, like going through mm-hmm. some you know AD converters. Yeah. And uh, but but live turning knobs and it's the best. Yeah, pretty cool. All types of little random things can happen that will make the track whatever. Cool. Yeah. Did you have Thomas engineering on that stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thomas. Thomas um, had the the great misfortune of having to be the sax player and the engineer. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he didn't mind. You know, no, he he was a good sport about it, but it, it's always best if you just have to play. Yeah, but sadly, yeah. he's he's so good at engineering that it's hard not to. I've had, um, yeah, I've had so many people throughout my musical life tell me not to record myself while I play. Mm. Like several people who I thought highly of, who were like, "Yeah, don't do that," and like I've, don't like don't engineer your own sessions. Basically, yeah, don't record yourself. Yeah, uh, these were all people who were teaching me like production and engineering. Mm. So they were, so these, these were two teachers who were like basically trying to instill, like all you need to do is listen, like don't try to divide that part of your brain. But unfortunately all I ever do is like mostly record <laughs> myself playing music. 
So I'm it, very conflicted about that. It's kind of the business at this point, to a large extent. Yeah. Is recording oneself in all sorts of different ways. And who hasn't been doing that for the past two years anyway? It's like, mm-hmm. you just sort of, if you don't know how to do that, like, you got to learn. You got to figure it out. I think it is suboptimal. Like, the optimal thing even would be, you know, if you had a two or three person team, basically, yeah. where there's always someone to engineer. Yeah. Someone to do the thing that's happening. Yeah. And then maybe a, a second person to either also be playing or yeah. writing the script or uh, yeah, mastering. Mm-hmm. We need to searching t- for talent. <laughs> a tea, how about a tea boy? A tea boy? boy? Coffee? Uh, yes. Just anybody, somebody to go run, get get food. Yeah. Donut. Donut yeah. getter. <laughs> donut getter. Yeah. Anyway, the the Lodge stuff is badass. Thank you. Um. I want to hear, I want to come see you guys again soon. So hopefully we've got to play for you to do it. Um, What the hell else? Gray also does uh, Zumunchi. Mm -hmm. Um, Boy stays busy. The dude stays busy. I do stay busy. Right now, you know, Zumunchi's on a break. So Mm -hmm. now, now it's time for me to try to, to put together new tunes. Hell yeah. Um, you know, to finish off these newer tunes that I've written. So there is an album brewing. You were yeah. you were joking. I just met with. Uh, I just talked to Ted Word the other day. Yeah. About. Um, yeah. You know, interacting. Mm-hmm. Collaborating. Boy, that boy's been that boy's been doing a lot of recording too. I bet he has. Um. Cool. Well. Um. I also wanted to talk to you about your visual art stuff because mm. that's another thing I don't know shit about Gray. Mm-hmm. I don't know shit about Gray when it comes to. Visual art, and I don't know shit about gray when it comes to Gotta Buy Voices. Oh my goodness. We got one covered. Okay. Um, I guess, first of all, when did you begin with the, uh, with that side of your, of your life? When I was 14. Okay. Yeah. Um, I got, I got, um, exposed to oil painting Mm -hmm. in art class and I just really enjoyed it. It was a thing, you know, that I could just sit and spend a long time doing Mm -hmm. and, um, so all through you know tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade, um, was really into into doing that, and um, but then you know when I went to college, I more got into studying music, mm-hmm. and I kept just painting on my own for fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't do it for a long time, and then I came back around to doing uh, more like collages, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I started painting a little more again. And just recently, I was just like, you know, because last year I had done that songwriting game, which you participated in. Yeah. So, and I was like, if I could write a song a week, maybe I can do a piece of art a week. Yeah. And by the end of the year, I at least will have, you know, gotten a little better at it and gotten out of my head a little bit about it. Yeah. Just get some practice. So, um, so yeah, I'm in the midst of that. I'm, nice. I'm on my third project now. No shit. I didn't know you were doing this. Mm-hmm. Every week now I'm doing a piece of visual art. Is it as... It, is it the same as because like the song a week thing that we did or I did for a few months was it ended up taking up a, a lot of time just to get that one song done. hours it could yeah. take hours especially and you did really cool like produced kind of tunes and yeah I, and I did what I do so dumb poorly <laughs> which is like spend way too long with that but like so with uh, with with visual art do you feel like do you feel like that's enough time like is a week enough time to get something done or do you I guess I'm going to be finding out. I mean, in in high school, um, I would spend months. Yeah. You know, like this painting on the wall, I probably spent three months doing that. Yeah. Uh, maybe even four. 
That's it like was a, a long time. Four yeah. foot by maybe more? Five four feet? by six. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, maybe four and a half Is by six. Is that all acrylic paint? It's oil paint. Oil paint, okay. Mm-hmm. So you have to wait for some stuff to dry. Some colors take longer than others. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do with this new new stuff, like the th- uh, thing that I'm working on for this week, oh, is. which is kind of hidden there. But um, I'm I'm really trying to get better at like working just background to foreground, and so I you know painted background elements, gave them a day or two to dry, mm-hmm. came in and did stuff kind of in the middle. Now I think it's dry enough that I can do the stuff that's going to hopefully appear closest in. So um, you you do that last. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this weekend, yeah, today and tomorrow, I've got to try to finish that up. And when did you start it? Um, on Monday. Okay. Yeah. So it's been almost So I'm a week. trying to do, yeah, I'm trying to do just, you know, right out a week, like on Monday morning yeah. to be able to, okay. to say I'm done. So it's doable. You can do, you can do a, 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 a painting a week. I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. And um, the thing I'll do, worst case scenario, like also there's just drawing yeah. or collage. Yeah. So really any of those three things. So if I end up being crunched for time, I can sit down and just draw something and then I'm just done. Nice. Uh, but the oil painting, yeah, I am trying to learn. So th- this is kind of a funny thing. I can't remember if it was we who spoke about this, but um, you know this artist who I like a lot who supposedly could have up to like 30 works going at once. Yeah. And he would just work like, you know, he knew the process for each one. Yeah. And so each day you can be starting one, doing the next little step of a second one, the next step of a third one and so on, Mm -hmm. you know? So I haven't tried to overlap them like that, but I have at least found that for working on it in the course of a week, if I can sit down for like 20 minutes to two hours yeah. However long I get to do a phase, come yeah. back to another phase. Yeah. But it's going to be cool. Yeah. And the, and I can't speak to visual art, but the song a week thing was was so important just to get that time, just to have like a deadline. Yes. You know, it's like you just, it's amazing the things that happen when there's a deadline. Makes and, all the difference. Yeah. And I can really just, I could fuck off for years without without doing shit. So deadline <laughs> is good. Um, I have fucked off for years. Dude, yeah. I've been wanting to do this podcast for like 2 years. This is the second time I've done it. It's, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. But um anyway, well, we're here. <laughs> here we are. We're doing it. Yes. Um cool. So I have like a couple more questions for you. Okay, what else you got? Um so so with the visual art stuff, bringing it back to music, um so with digital audio, when you're doing it in, in Pro Tools or whatever you're using, you've got the visual aspect. So you can work with sound by looking at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the tape machine, there's like zero of that. Do you feel like, do you feel like the, the visual aspect of recording music changes your decision making? Does it help? Does it hurt? Well, Go. you know, okay, check this out. This, I had never thought about this exactly, but... Um... Doing a multi-track tape recording is a lot like doing an oil painting. Yeah. In the sense that um, if you really want it to be, to appear to be behind whatever's in front of it, it has to be done before it. Yeah. Because you can tell when, you know, when the layers are done, essentially. I you, yeah. And so, um, so there's a lot, like the thing I like about working to a tape is like you have to really plan up front you know which things which things tend to EQ well together 
da da da. You know, yeah. so it would. So your and then your question is about the visual art, like mm-hmm. um, how do you plan it? Um, I just kind of was what. Yeah, I was more like just interested to hear. I'm sorry, th- I got off top. No, it's okay. Like just your thoughts about working with music visually. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like on an editing. Okay, sort of. on that side, yes. Yeah. Um, I definitely know that when I first started doing, you know, like GarageBand at first and then Logic yeah. or Pro Tools, um, I did immediately like that part of it. It makes editing and stuff like that way easier. Yeah. Of course, if you're cutting to a click. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I think that's the, the trick at all times is to not be, because um, it does certainly influence one's decisions. And um, and the trick always is to make sure that you come back to not looking and just listening. Yeah. Um, and I love that you know the idea of like um, uh, Phil Spector, how he would like put tape over the VU meters because mm. he's like, this is a thing we're listening to. Like, you think yeah. that's too hot, or you think it's not hot <laughs> enough? Yeah. They pull out I his just... gun, you know, and that's what I do. <laughs> I just think that's right. That's how right. you. Yeah. Um, he's, but... he's, he's had a gun this whole time. Just vi- this just. Hanging out the back. Yeah. You know, just a little bit. It's a small one. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I do think it's always important to find whatever way you can to come back to really listening. Yeah. Um, the, but the visual part is helpful, but it's just important not to get too focused on it. Yeah. No, I, I love your analogy about the oil painting and, and the and the thinking about mixes or music as in, in terms of background and foreground. Like, mm-hmm. um, and with the tape machine, you kind of, it kind of help. it kind of does it for you in a way too. Yeah. Because right? as we're bouncing things down, you're getting a little less fidelity. So it's blurring mm-hmm. things a little bit and pushing them back. You have to make sure you don't do that to the things that you want to hear yeah. nice and crisp and up front. Yeah, totally. exactly. So honestly, dude, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. I'm learning a, <laughs> learning a lot about this just working with you. But today. also blowing smoke up my ass. <laughs> also blow just... Because it's pleasant. <laughs> you know, it's a medieval cure for a lot of things. But, but that's yeah. what I read in a book. But least. so you were saying like you're thinking about groups of instruments in terms of eq mm-hmm. so was that sort of going on as you were thinking about recording mm-hmm. today cool totally yeah yeah because yeah, i figured like doing the percussion and the bass together that way um if you want to push the bass you push the bass if you want more percussion you can push the top yeah you know but it kind of kind of is easy to split up yeah uh, and then so and then the other ones i did more out of their similarity like the vibes of being in a similar register to the guitar Ebo track, yeah, uh, and then the whirly and the guitar being similar function, yeah, you know, so um, yeah, yeah. I mean, without spending too much more time talking about what we did today, please. I'm honestly just like kind of blown away by the way that you approach this thing. It's co- totally different than the way I've been using it. Oh, holy bejeebus. That's cool. Yeah, just like I've just been like, oh, I'll fill up a couple tracks and like maybe bounce one down and I'll have one more. But like today, Gray was like, um. I don't know. We 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 have got like two, four, six, eight. Oh yeah, we have. I have. Here's the master sheet. Yeah, we've got a lot of tracks on this four track machine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, I think we have seven tracks. So somehow we managed to get seven tracks onto four, and I think you'll hear when you're listening to it. And we could have done twice that if we wanted to. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah you just you gotta get it creative. You just have to plan ahead. Yeah. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks, dude. For, thank you. This was super fun. This. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being on my podcast. Yes. Oh, my pleasure, Daddy.
across the velvet of dawn I was reminded of something you said when our minds were open and easily read Space. I was reminded.